I'm Mike Vardy, and this is the Productivityist Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. Uh, once again, I am Mike Vardy, your host, and I am really excited to have a chance to talk to Jared Brock today. Kind of wish I ran into him at the World Domination Summit this year, but didn't get a chance to make that happen. So many people, so much to do, and we just didn't manage to cross paths. Uh, I kind of touched on in the Patreon edition of the podcast kind of the reasons why the World Domination Summit is something that I attend every year. And uh, if you're a Patreon supporter and you're listening to this episode, go to the Patreon RSS feed and grab that and then take a listen or just go to the Patreon page. If you're not a supporter, then maybe head over to patreon.com slash productivityist and give it a go because you're going to get the entire interview that I have with Jared today. Uh, what I do want to touch on, though, is kind of the, the idea of repositioning the year um, and kind of eliminating so that I can really move things forward. And I'm not going to go into the details of what I, I'm eliminating. I kind of save that for the Patreon folks. But uh, basically, after the World Domination Summit, it gives you that chance and, and the Clarity Day that I've written about and, and things like that. I wrote that about my, in my newsletter. Um, it just gives you a chance to kind of hone in on what the excess is. And I'm not a huge believer in, I mean, minimalism is one thing, but I think, um, you know, Patrick's, Patrick Rohn's uh, talk on enough, I think is fine. And one of the things that John Acuff talked about the World Domination Summit was we have some money and then enough money. Kids say some, when you become an adult, you say enough. And I thought that was really powerful because um, I think that enough can work both ways. Enough can be uh, both a kind of a detractor, so I don't have enough to do this, or, you know, I have enough. So it's a matter of your relationship with the word. Um, and for me, there's some things that I've, you know, obviously got going on in excess that I need to pull back on. And when you go to a conference like that, it gives you some, it gives you pause. It says, okay, you, you, give, you have a chance to be with yourself. And you will take moments to yourself because, I mean, when you have 3,000 people and there's an energy level that's going on that's just so palpable, you need to step away from it so that way you can come back to it and, and give back because it, otherwise it can just drain you after a while. And there was about a three-hour stretch, three to four-hour stretch on the Sunday where I just took off. I uh, went back, had some lunch, had a had a nice nap, and, you know, some thinking time. And um, I came away with some things, you know, like I'm going to pull back on certain things and really hone in on others. And that's what these kind of things can do. It, it, and I think we need to spend a bit more time in those moments. And I'm not suggesting a weekly review is what you should do. I'm, I'm not a big believer in that. I, I like the idea of a, a review every every two weeks or on the 15th and 30th of every month. And I'm working on delivering a, a process that will help people do that without feeling like they're leaving things hanging in the hanging over their heads. But I think the journaling aspect really helps for me, as well as, you know, just kind of dumping things out of my head, just that capturing because what it does is it allows me to kind of look at everything that's come to mind or that is around and scheduled and and you know just sitting in my task app and 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 look at it with a more critical eye and say you know this is probably never going to happen or this is something I really want to have happen but won't happen unless I get rid of these things and you you need to take that time. The summer is a great time to do that, by the way. Uh, you know, in, in my mind, you know, productivity is, is slows down in the summer generally because of holidays and all that. So this would be a time of year to kind of take a look at it. And that's kind of why the World Domination Summit is so important to me is because it gives me that mid-year break. I mean, the travel time to and from Portland 
I take a bus. Uh, it's a seven-hour bus ride from Vancouver to Portland, and I get a lot of thinking time in there. I get a lot of stuff done. And, you know, I mean, I think that that 14 hours of travel, and let's even truncate it down to 10 with, with stops and stuff, that's pretty valuable uh, because there's no one that can really bother me. I mean, I can use Wi-Fi if I want. There's Wi-Fi on the bus, but I really get some really good thinking done. And I can now come back and go forward in the right direction um, because, you know, anybody can fall off the path and, and all of a sudden have to course correct. So that's kind of where Jared comes in. Uh, Jared, he's been on quite the journey himself. And uh, he he talks about, you know, I mean, first off, he's cut a lot out. He's got some bare essentials. And really, that's enough. He really does exemplify that enough aspect of things. Um, and and uh, he's driven. And, and I want you to listen to this interview that I have with him to kind of get a sense of who this guy is and why aspects of what he does are something that maybe we should all take a closer look at and, and adopt. So, and here without further ado is my discussion with Jared Brock here on the Productivity is Podcast. I have with me Jared Brock. He is an author, a filmmaker. Uh, he's done a lot of really cool stuff. He reached out to me and he's from where I'm from originally, like my neck of the woods. Uh, li- not literally because you're in the woods right now, but <laughs> <laughs> Jared, thanks for joining me on the Productivity is Podcast. Mike, thanks so much for having me. And it's probably good to know that I've also lived on Vancouver Island. So we've been neighbors on two halves of the continent. Where did you live on Vancouver Island? I was in Drunken Duncan, just north oh, of yeah. you. Yeah, 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 not very far at all. Um, so yeah, I'm originally, as, as most of the listeners know, I'm originally from the Hamilton area. But I actually spent my high school years in a, a town called Waterdown. Which is, you know, again, it's technically part of the Hamilton area, but it's in a community called Flamborough. That's kind of what they call their Flamborough Speedway is a very popular racetrack and stuff. But you're in that you're you're in that area right now, basically. Yeah, my wife and I live in a 1975 Airstream trailer. It's one of those old school silver bullets. So we live there about six months a year, and then we're on the road traveling the other six months of the year. Okay, so let's talk about the traveling stuff. Like, so you've got, I mean, some of the stuff you've done is, you, first off, you did the 100 Things Challenge, you and your wife. So I want to talk a little, little bit about that because, uh, you know, I mean, first off, the term minimalism has kind of been over overwrought, I think, in a lot of ways and overused. Tell totally. me, tell me why you took the challenge and what what the challenges were with that. And and I mean, we won't even touch on the word minimalism, but let's talk about that component. <laughs> yeah. So I first kissed my future wife in the summer of the seventh grade when we were thirteen years old, and uh, when we were twenty one, uh, we were about to get engaged, and she basically said, "I'll marry you under one condition: you have to let me live in a Spanish speaking part of the world for at least half a year at some point in our marriage," because she had taken Spanish as her minor in university. So I said, okay, sure, sure, marry me, thinking that would never happen. (laughs) But uh, two years later, we um, decided to simplify our lives drastically. Um, We actually had a kind of a six-month gap of time before we flew to Vancouver Island to intern with one of my favorite authors. So we bought one-way tickets to Central America, and over five months, we traveled by land transport from the Panama Canal all the way to Florida, volunteering at eco-resorts and uh, intentional communities and organic farms and stuff. So we took the 100 Things Challenge, and we got down to, uh, to 88 combined items for that trip. And Mike, it was so freeing to just not be possessed by our possessions, not have to clean things, maintain things. So when we came home, we 
radically changed our lives, purged our belongings, and moved into a trailer. Wow, wow! And you and, and you managed to go back east. Now, why did you go back east? Because I mean, uh, let's let's be honest. That lifestyle is very where where you were on the island. Uh, it's very uh, very. It's almost um, I wouldn't say it's it, it's in fashion, but it's not unheard of. Yeah, like I mean. The West Coast is the best coast, as they say. The weather's far better, and it's very relaxed. We have a lot of like very hippie type friends and whatnot. Um, we've we've visited the island a couple times since, but just you know, home is where your community is, and for us, we just have really strong friendships as well as both our families in the area. So, Ontario for now, but we really see it as a base camp. We're only here six months a year, and then we're out and about. Michelle and I have been married for six years. We've already been to 40 countries and we've road tripped through 40 American states and 10 Canadian provinces as well. So it's not like we sit still for very long. No, and I mean, you have a lot of things that, I mean, in your email that you sent me, I mean, you're carbon neutral. You don't have an iPhone or any other cell phone uh, of of any type, which is refreshing in in this day and age. (laughs) Uh, You know, you're vegetarian. Um, You know, again, that would go over really well here on the West Coast. Uh, and you've been, like you said, you've been to 40 countries now. What it's interesting. And the timing of this, this, this call is, is pretty, uh, pretty cool because we're recording this in June, but this, this episode isn't airing until later, obviously. And one of the things, uh, and this is for the Patreon only folks that, 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 that we're, we're getting into now. So some of the folks that are listening on Patreon are going to hear this because it's a bit more personal stuff. So if you want to actually subscribe to the Patreon edition, just go to patreon.com slash productivityist uh, and you'll be able to check out um, the, the a full extended version of this episode of the podcast. Let's talk about your meeting with the Pope, because you talk about this in your, in your book, A Year of Living Prayerfully, which honestly, I've yet to read. Uh, but it's humorous. I love humor. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where I kind of got my start with the humor stuff. So I'm going to have to check that out. You can get two free chapters. I'll put the link in the show notes and it's available pretty much at, you know, any, everywhere. any, everywhere you can. So can you, I don't want you to give away too much, but th- how did that, you know, like, what was that like? Like how did, give me what you can out of that whole meeting with the, with the Pope. <laughs> Well, like, I mean, the whole trip was crazy, you know, 37,000 miles around the world, a dozen countries, went to North Korea for New Year's, walked on hot coals, all sorts of crazy things. But yeah, meeting the Pope, honestly, Mike, we had tried every which way to meet him, phone calls, emails to the consulates, introductions galore. I even like got a fax number because like people still use that in the 21st century. (laughs) Like, oh my word. Um, So we tried everything and nothing was working. So we actually like... We went to Rome, and my last-ditch effort was I actually mailed the Pope three postcards from the Vatican post office with, like, his picture on the stamp. And the postmaster, like, looked at me so funny. I was like, yes, you literally need to throw these over the wall. But um, we ended up, um, you know, like, we got the tour of town, and we're praying, and we're hoping, and we're working towards it, but no doors were opening. And, yeah, so we visited uh, Monte Cassino. We visited Assisi. Uh, and our last night when we were in Monte Cassino, we had a Skype voicemail at 10 p.m. on a Saturday night. It said, come to the Domo Sancta Marta at noon tomorrow. So we rushed back to Rome, and nothing's open on Sunday, and we've been traveling for months. So my wife and I actually met the Pope in jeans and yoga pants, which was kind of insane. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a gracious guy, so it was cool. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the, the kind of stuff that you – you have so many irons in the fire. I mean, I look yeah, yeah. at, I mean, you're a filmmaker, you, you know, and, and the films you're working on are, are, you know, I mean, you're, you're, you're working on fighting sex trafficking, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, and that's, I mean, there's some nobility obviously there. There's nobility. I mean, I'm seeing that in a lot of what you've done. How in the world are you able to juggle all of that stuff? 
and yet be mobile all at the same time. I mean, obviously you've got your base camp back in, in Ontario right now, mm-hmm. but I mean, how do you, how do you manage all that? Honestly, like I think busyness is super overrated and a lot of my friends think that I'm really busy, but I'm really not like our pace of life is, is, is like really fun and it's, it's really slow. And I think the key for me is, uh, every, uh, Sunday night I sit down and I schedule the week ahead, uh, to the hour. And, and that includes like four hour periods of just like fun. Like there's nothing scheduled for it, but like, I'm going to turn off the computer at six o'clock on Tuesday and I'm not going to turn it on till the next morning kind of thing. Um, but I definitely batch my projects. So right now, for example, I'm working on my next book. I'm working on a novel, and uh, I actually like rent a, a co co like an office co share space, mm-hmm. um, and I will go there and I'll have a room to myself, and I'll just spend nine hours. And all all I will do is I'll just block all distractions, and I'll just work for nine hours. And I'll and I'll you know typically pound out anywhere from four to six thousand words. Uh, in just that one day in that one session so batching and get rid of distractions definitely helps um things like f- uh, facebook newsfeed eradicator have like saved my life like they probably saves 10 hours a week of just like mindlessly reading articles and getting into political fights and debates you know like um well, yeah, yeah like, I mean, especially you do, especially with kind of the stuff that you do. I mean, yeah, we social see the, media related. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, you see the Facebook feeds. I have, I have, I've had to be very. I mean, luckily there's the mute function now mm-hmm. because I mean, there's mm-hmm. some people who are friends of mine that they talk about stuff, and I mean, this is actually an interesting thing to get into. Is it's not really. I mean, it's a time waster to a point, but I think a lot of people and, and maybe you could speak to this is that they talk about things on Facebook and they're very passionate about, but they don't do much about, they just figure yeah. if they talk about it on Facebook, then they've done something. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think slacktivism, it, yeah. it's a, it's a catch 22 because like, you know, William Wilberforce with the abolition of the transatlantic slave trade, that only happened because stay at home moms and young ladies decided to talk about it and then and then they decided as a culture you know what we're not going to buy slave sugar anymore and they stopped having sugar in their tea and next thing you know black people aren't being enslaved like it's it became an economic function but it started with a a critical mass conversation so it kind of it kind of is both ways like i think it's really smug of all of us to think that if we talk about it we've done our part but at some point in the process that actually is part of the solution so yeah yeah. i think (laughs) I keep coming back to this thing, and I and I I think you've probably uh, embodied this a lot in what you work. Everything in moderation. Yeah, definitely. I like. I mean, I I don't like extremism. Like, I mean, I wrote a humorous book on prayer. It's never really been done before. And one thing that I found so dangerous is when people say 100% there is no God or 100% there is a God. We need to be okay with the fact that everything is faith, and anyone who takes these extreme positions, it's just so fundamentalist and so dangerous to civil society. Mm-hmm. No, I, I hear you. I hear you there. Um, so let's, let's dive back into, so the filmmaking process, I mm-hmm. want to hear because each of your processes, like you must obviously have, you've been doing this for a while when you're trying to build this kind of, you know, body of work up, have you templated a lot of this stuff? Like do you have to these different modes that you go into. Okay. I'm in filmmaking mode now. So this is the way I, I, I treat my day, my week, whatever. I'm in book writing mode. This is that. Like, is that how do you how do you how do you tackle that kind of stuff? Well, I'm 
you know, when you're on the road filmmaking, it's pretty all-consuming. So um, when we were making Red Light, Green Light, which is our newest documentary, took us to 10 countries, and that is, you know, 16 hours a day, six days a week. Uh, You're meeting someone new every day. You're shooting every day. Uh, you're traveling on your off days. So that's pretty all-consuming. And that's that's okay because you're just batching it and getting it done. Uh, and then, of course, when you tour the film, so Red Light, Green Light, we toured it to 96 cities around North America. And we ended up testifying in Parliamentary Committee, which is kind of like Congressional Committee in the States. Um, that just like, that's all you do when you're in that season. And again, that's okay. So <laughs> it's actually really funny, Mike. We basically... We knew nothing about filmmaking, like we're writers obviously and we can direct, but the actual holding of the camera, the lighting and the sound part, we knew nothing about. So we took a filmmaker friend to a film store and said, okay, buy, like, pick a kit for us. So he got us all the equipment and then he literally printed us a, two pages of instructions and I just followed them for every interview. And we just <laughs> like, turn camera on, plug lights in, adjust ISO and shutter and whatnot, you know use this lens for this shot and uh, just followed it for all 52 or 50, I think it was 53 interviews. And uh, yeah, like it was, it's the whole keep it simple, stupid thing, right? Like right. it's actually not as complicated if you just like have a very simple process to follow and are gutsy enough to do it. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now what tools do you use to kind of keep things going? Cause obviously, I mean, it's not like you whip out your iPhone and you can- <laughs> yeah, no, I don't own a, I don't own a cell phone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, um, I don't own a, yeah, I'm not really huge on tech. Um, I have a laptop, but it's used. We don't want to contribute to conflict minerals, so we only buy refurbished um, laptops. Mm-hmm. But I pretty much do everything on Google Drive. Michelle and I have a Google Drive folder that we share our combined schedule. And um, basically, if something is tentative, it's in yellow. And then as soon as it's um, a go, it's in black. Um and we, yeah, so that's basically how we schedule our life. And then, yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't really use any other apps aside because, from like because yeah. you probably use paper, right? So you use paper for a lot of your planning. Yeah. And then, and then, frankly, if you're blocking out your time, that's where that stuff's going. Is it's just going in the calendar, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Interesting. I mean, it, it, I it's funny we talk about. Um, have you read the book Essentialism at all by Greg McEwen? Oh man, it, people keep recommending it, and it's on my list. But my list also has like I think I'm up to 752 <laughs> books right now. It's huge. It's just, I, you, and I read 50 books a year. It's just that the list is huge. It's. Just, I mean, the thing is, is, is that you're using only what's absolutely necessary. You know, you're, yeah. You know, I mean, no more, no less. And it's 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 interesting to see that that happen. So. What of the hundred things? So I want to get back to the hundred things challenge. I know we're jumping and jumping in a mm. few different places, but what was the toughest thing to kind of give up? You know, I mean, because isn't that, that that's the way the challenge works, right? Is you yeah. is it you give up and you only have a hundred things? What was the toughest thing to give up? Yeah, like I mean, to be clear, we don't um, still practice the one hundred things no, challenge but anymore. We, but when you did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, what we do now is we have a one-for-one policy. So if we bring something new into our house, we have to lose, we have to like donate or recycle something else. So that's been super helpful. Like you don't buy a new pair of socks until you donate or recycle an old pair because you actually have holes in them. So that's been really helpful. But um, man, that's a good question. Like possessions, we just, after doing that trip, there was nothing, if, if everything I owned was lost in a fire tomorrow, the only thing that I would mourn the passing of would be, like, f- childhood photos, family, 
like the like albums which we have backed up anyways so like they're actually really if i lost everything tomorrow it's i'm okay with it because possessions just don't possess me anymore i i just don't worry about them like i i guess manuscripts would be the big one right like like projects i'm working on that would be terrible obviously um but yeah that's that's pretty much it like i mean i wrote my book a year of living prayerfully i wrote the entire thing on google drive um i wrote the 113,000 word first draft in three and a half weeks wow yeah it was crazy wow and it's been out since march right yeah it came out in march reviews have been amazing uh what's cool is that even people who like aren't of faith or like have religion have really really liked the book because again it is humorous so you know the first thing we do is we celebrate passover with ultra orthodox Hasidic jews in brooklyn and i'm like dancing around a pulpit (laughs) with a bunch of of rabbis and then like i end up on mount athos like this all dudes holy mountain in greece and then i'm at a nudist church and i walk across a bed of hot coals so yeah it's the reviews have been great which is super cool um yeah, first-time author. It's like really exciting, and we actually started a second nonprofit that owns the book. So I'm donating all my author royalties to charity. Oh wow! So we're really, ho- yeah, so we're really hoping that it does a double good in the world. That it will encourage people to like explore spirituality and prayer, but then also that we can give to people in need. Have you ever read? Uh, just as a sidebar, have you read uh, AJ Jacobs' A Year of Living Biblically? Yeah, uh, I actually got AJ's permission to draft off of his title. Oh, okay. And, uh, he's a really uh, great yeah, he's guy. Super guy. I've, I've yeah. had a chance to chat with him and hang out with him on a couple of occasions. Yeah, so he um he that book's about nine years old. Where basically mm-hmm. he literally he literally lives the Old Testament. So aside from the title, our books diverge very greatly. Aside from the fact that I took a year to basically traipse 59,000 kilometers around the globe <laughs> right 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 yeah they're very different I mean I would imagine they're very different books because yeah like you said he he basically lives he acts as a literalist and I think yeah. that was his idea was he took the bible and said if I lived this in the literalist sense this is mm-hmm. what would happen Whereas, which of course is which of course is not how the bible is meant to be written no. like even Genesis 1 verse 1 it's the creation poem it's not the creation history account right like right. it's this beautiful flowing poetry so yeah, it's it's hilarious. His book's great, and uh, my goal the whole time was to make my book funnier than AJ's. So Jerry's out on that one. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so what? So you right now you're working on your set, another book. You're working on what's what? What else do you have on, uh, coming up? Because I'd like our listeners to be able to check out what you've got going on. Well, the charity it's called Hope for the Sold. Um, we're in the midst of relaunching the website. It's happening um, next week, actually. We use a great web designer who actually does a, he calls it website in a day. His process, we just batch the whole thing into 48 hours and just crush it out. Um, we're on the phone basically 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. two days in a row, mm. and it's done. So that's brilliant. Um, so the website's coming up. Um, we're going to be launching a podcast on social justice uh, in the fall. Um, obviously working on my next manuscript, um, getting the DVD out on, uh, get, sorry, getting Red Light, Green Light out on DVD and iTunes, etc. And then, um, yeah, basically just like prepping for uh, winter in Germany and fundraising for our next documentary. Awesome. Well, Jared, I mean, you've got a really interesting story. Um, the fact that you, you know, you, you, you wear a lot of hats and you wear them well is, 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 is very cool. Um, and people can find where, where do you want people to go uh, if they're looking for you online so that way they can get uh, the best uh, best viewpoint of all the all the things you've got going on 
Uh, yeah, charity is hope for the sold sold.com, the documentary red light green light film.com. And then if they want to see the trailer for the book as well as download the first two chapters for free, it's livingprayerfully.com. Awesome. Jared, thanks so much for joining me this week on the Productivity's podcast. Thanks for having me, Mike. Well, there you have it. Thanks to Jared for joining me this week on the podcast. I'd love to hear from you and, and hear your thoughts on this show. So please drop me a line. You can send me, just send me an email to, uh, at info at productivityist.com and, and Amy will take a look at it and then I'll grab it. She normally, she sends all the podcast stuff to me. So please do that. Uh, if you like the show, please rate, review it, give it an iTunes review. I'd love to hear more. We are currently working on, as of August, there's going to be some changes uh, to the podcast, especially to those who are sponsoring the Patreon side of things. There's going to be bonus episodes and all that kind of stuff. If you want to become a Patreon supporter and want to support the show in a monetary fashion, just go to patreon.com slash productivityist. There's a ton of perks now. There will be even more going forward. And I'd love to have your support on that side of the equation as well. If uh, if you're so inclined to, to do so, I'd, I'd love to have you. So thanks so much for joining me this week. And until next week, stop guessing and start going. Take care.